I'm here to let you know that this is part two of the Andalite Chronicles, so if you have not listened to part one, go back. You've taken a wrong turn somewhere, and uh, download part one first. It'll make a lot more sense, I promise. Um, mostly I'm here to tell you that we are back again with our special guest, Stephanie, and if you want to hang out till the end of the episode, we tell you where you can get some of her fanfiction and connect with her otherwise, and uh, that's really all I had to tell you. So um, enjoy part two of this uh, insane chronicle. Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're here to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Basically what happens is he drinks Dr. Pepper and then takes off across the desert in his yellow Mustang playing songs loudly. (laughs) (laughs) And he fucking loves it. He does. It's truly the best thing in the entire series. Hands down. It's incredible. <laughs> it's just incredible. Also, my favorite line in the book was, an Andalite in a Mustang was just going to be slightly obvious. And I'm like, that is my favorite slightly. fucking line in the entire world. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Slightly <laughs> obvious. I don't know what he's talking about. That seems pretty normal. It's completely inconsistent. I mean, we've only seen a tiny fraction of the Texan homeworld, so we don't know what's going on down there. That's true. Who knows what they have? They might have internal combustion engines on an advanced species that is flight capable to space. There are like actual Andalite spies who are like hanging out in Texan homeworld doing important work and being like, what the fuck are these guys doing? It's like, oh my god. Great. It's it's like the Andalite CIA is there on an important mission and these these stupid artists are just fucking everything up. Like it's I just this is such a perfect episode of X-Files. Like, somebody's there doing some serious work, and here comes, like, the hotshot detective in a fucking yellow Mustang with a stereo blaring. <laughs> this is the perfect X-Files episode. Yeah. So that... That, that I think, is what the... the that's what I've decided what the Texan Chronicles plot would have been. Because where Arburn finds out that there's, like, you know, some Andalite warrior who's, like, in deep cover hanging out in the... You know, in Mustangs? <laughs> no, among the taxons. Okay. <laughs> it's like we're starting trying to start a rebellion. What the hell are you guys doing here? Ooh. That could be really cool. Especially with events later on. Somebody write that fanfic. <laughs> so here is some really fucking badass shit that goes down. So Willow Fangor is cruising across the desert in his convertible Mustang. He suddenly gets, like, sucked into some open ground that just kind of, like, opens up beneath him into a tunnel and sucks him down. And he has no option but to follow this thing. And it's basically just, like, careening around, crashing, and then ends up in an underground cavern. And in the middle of this cavern, there's, like, a pulsating, glowing mountain with tubes coming out of it. And he realizes these tubes are perfectly sized for taxons. 
So Elfinger comes to this realization, and then a booming voice sounds in his head, and it's asking, is this the creature? And then Arbron's voice goes, yeah, that's him. He's going very chummy with the living hive in like two minutes. In a very short amount of time. (laughs) Yeah. Arbron, living hive fanfiction? Somebody write that. Like, just a friend fic? If you want. But for now, I'll continue. Because we got a lot of shit oh, to Oh, wait, side guys. note. I wrote a note about Skrna, and I called them the creepy pedos with the white van of the galaxy, probably. A hundred percent, yes. I just I just saw that note that I wrote down, and I was like, oh yeah, that's important. That's well, very important. And it's like, sometimes they experiment on them. Sometimes they just drive them around for a while and let them go. If that's uh, not, like, serial killer XX, yeah. oh my god, now I can't talk at all. Also, I would like it noted that they don't specify that they drop them off at home. No, they just drop, they just them, off drop them off. They just drop them off for which I think somewhere. is important. <laughs> I just think they're fucking creeps, and they put them in zoos sometimes. Yep. But yeah, that's escalation for sure. That is concerning behavior. Yep. Yep. They um, are definitely on like every every species like sex offender list, like all of them. Maybe that's why, like, the Yurks have, like, a weird sort of, like, we don't want to infest them because they're kind of sex offenders. It's like, we don't, we don't, listen, we're fucked up enough. Yeah, we don't want to stoop that. We don't long. want to get into that. Yeah. It's like, Yurks have, like, weird things about their hosts and stuff. They have weird stigmas yeah. about that. So, like, they'd be like, screw they're like, no. no. It's a Yurk stigma. We're like, not gonna. Like, we're, we're not, we're not crossing that line. We're not gonna touch them. No, that's that's kind of that's that's too far even for us. Yeah, everybody's got their their limits, and that's the Yurk limit. They don't like creepers, mm-hmm. but they're cool with cannibals though. Well, cannibals are a different thing. Obviously, no one's affronted by that. Only no. creepers. It's like I mean they're eating each other, not not like Yurks, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We don't it's care. Totally fine. Whatever. <laughs> Follow your bliss, guys. Follow your bliss. Alright, so, um, Arbron confirms that it is him. They have found the resistance. Arbron explains how they almost got eaten, but instead he fed them the Skritna, and then he explained what he was, and they brought him back to be their war advisor for the living taxon hive. So, um, he's brought on as their advisor, they're about to launch an attack, and Elfangor is in, because anything to attack the Yerks is fine by him. Also, he's kind of stuck there. Yeah, he has really no other options. Also, they kind of, otherwise they have to live out. It's a whole thing. It's not good, is what's happening. No. It's just not good. Um, so, Arbron has one last moment with Elfangor before the battle, and Elfangor says, I will tell your parents what happened to you, and Arbron says, no, let them think I'm dead, and let them remember remember me as I was. I know, it's really sad. No part of the series makes me feel okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> literally every part of it, every, even the happy parts, I'm like, this is great. Except I'm thinking about when it goes terribly wrong. It'll be fine, guys. It'll end happily. I mean, <laughs> We're leading up towards a really happy ending, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. After all this shit, they deserve it, right? Yeah, yeah. No oh. one would ever do something bad with all they go through. It will only end with everybody finding love and happiness and, and lots of money. And they'll live forever. Yeah. And then Fluffer McKitty shows up and kills them all. <laughs> that is absolutely what happens. It's canon. 
I assume that's actually what happens after the final page, and suddenly Fluffer McKitty just shows up. I know it sounds amazing. I am calling you right after we record episode 54, well, book 54. I'm calling you right after to tell you all of my theories. Okay. Okay, I'm glad we have this covered. Great. Glad we made these plans. <laughs> I'll put it in my calendar, I'll expect a phone call. <laughs> It'll be like a random day at a random time. So anyways, <laughs> I won't even like start with hi, I'll just be like, so anyways. And that's when I'll, that's how I'll know. Oh yeah. god, you finished. It's the end. It's like, you have tissues? It's 2020. <laughs> it's 2020. Oh. 2020, I call you up. So anyways. <laughs> I'll make sure to keep the same phone number the entire time. You should. Or if I change it, I'll like you know message you like, "Hey, here's my new number. Here's my new number." So that thank God, <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna keep going through here. Because God forbid you message me on Facebook and then like I don't check it for like a day. Oh, I'll be really upset if that's the case. I'll be waiting by my phone, never sleeping, never <laughs> eating, waiting to tell you my theories. <laughs> About how Fluffer McKitty killed the wall. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, can we accept it? All right, perfect. All right, so I'm really going to start blasting through this, guys. Okay, so I'm you. the Texans start launching, uh, and they all go before Alfangor. He's last to go. He goes careening through the tunnels, and then he's shot out in the spaceport into a scene of horrific bloodshed and slaughter. There's chaos everywhere, taxing eating each other. There's no good and bad side anymore. It is chaos. Um, and then Arbron is standing by the Jahar with the humans, waiting. And uh, he basically says, I can't hold off anymore as soon as Elfangor arrives. And he launches towards a human. Elfangor rushes towards them to save them. It's all very bad. New, it somehow works that he gets there, and then new problems arise because Subvisor 7 is there with his Horkvisor squadron. Um, he immediately recognizes Elfangor, and he says, Ah, you are the one who shouted your name at me! I'm reading notes. None of this is in my notes. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I'm just telling you from memory right now. <laughs> uh, basically, Elfangor tries to be cool. He yells, Come and get me. So Subvisor 7 does because... You know, it doesn't actually work that he gets scared. And all the Horkbizers start, like, launching at him. They're in this huge battle. Elfangor's getting completely taken over. He gets a huge cut on his chest. And then, at some point during this battle, he hears a Lauren's Thoughtspeak voice, and he says, How are you enjoying your war, Arsith? Aris? Ar- <laughs> just combined the two together. I just slurred them very long. Aris. <laughs> That, that's that's your compromise. That is my compromise. Yeah. It's I was a child when this was imprinted in my head. <laughs> so uh, that's to be fair, Kay Applegate has said many times that "visor" is pronounced. That's supposed to rhyme with "kisser," so it should be "visor." But I have never called it said it that oh, way. I say "visor." Same. Everybody I know says "visor." When we were recording Megamorse with Jeremiah, he said it differently. But he said, I believe he said "visir." <laughs> So anyways, um, Aloran has basically morphed a Horkbizur of the squadron and then turns on them and they win this battle because Aloran is there as a Horkbizur and it all turns out well. And Aloran's a badass. Yeah, Aloran, Aloran's kind of a badass. He's also kind of horrifying. He's kind of bad, he's kind of an ass, and he's kind of a badass. It works on many levels. I'm still mad at him. Same, but... <laughs> 
same, but still. He's made uh, some choices. I mean, I hate Fizzer 3, but I can acknowledge that he's kind of awesome in the Chronicles. In a, like, I don't want to go up against you kind of way. Yeah. He's in the regular series, he's like that. A he's bumbling he, idiot. He's that villain who monologues too long and then lets the heroes. Although I will say about Fizzer 3 that. Like, I realized this recently when I was rereading some books, that he has, like, an awful lot of disrespect for his enemies. Like, he stops and says, I would like to honor the fact that you made it this far, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, huh. <laughs> That's a weird amount of respect to have, He though. really does. He's got, I mean, he's got a heart on for Andalites, and it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his main goal in life is to get an Andalite host body. With that in mind, kind of reading things that he says to the Animorphs, know, th- knowing that he thinks of their Andalites, it's like, yeah, you're kind of weird, man. Like, do we need to, like, send you to therapy? <laughs> because clearly you have some self, you know, self-image issues. <laughs> Can you imagine Visor 3 in therapy for self-image issues? They were just really mean to me! <laughs> imagining like this poor therapist just like sitting in their chair just like and it's absolutely like a low-ranking yerk in a therapist body like who's just like pissing their pants with fear and being like don't be heavy (laughs) no visitor you're wonderful you're you're a wonderful person it's like the name called with was victor trent i didn't know it was you (laughs) i would have left the planet oh god and you know what? That's still a better pseudonym than Al Fangor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Andalites are not great at- No one in this series is great at naming things. What do you mean? Fluffer McKitty is a fucking pinnacle <laughs> of naming. Okay, listen. <laughs> Andalites, let's keep in mind that the Yerk ships were named by an Andalite. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was named by an Andalite, right. really. They one named, point or another. They named a bug fighter because it looks like a bug. Yeah. They named a blade ship because probably kind of... Considering they made it on the Harkwitcher home world, it probably was based on that. They named the dome ship a dome ship. Right. Because it has a dome. The one that was most creative was Shredder. Because, like... It rips, right, it rips things apart at the atomic level. Yeah. So they called it a shred. Excuse me, a shredder. That's about <laughs> as creative as the Andalites get. Also, the, also they can't be bothered to ask species on planets what they call their planets. They just call oh, it no. your homeworld. Do Yurks have a name for their homeworld? Maybe. Your homeworld. <laughs> That's it. And like they're amazed when they're like, "You're from Earth. Are you Earthers? No, we're called humans." And they're like, "What the fuck?" Like. <laughs> How dare you? It's like, I'm sorry, we didn't get the message. Yeah. yeah. Wait, do you have names for planets that don't have any, any, have any life on them? What? The fact that they are so literal has got to help them with the way that they build their ships. Probably, yeah. Like, because as we learned in this book, it's literally like a giant, like, Ford factory line where each family does one thing and then passes it to the next family. So, like, calling things by a very literal name is probably an advantage. Probably. I'm not saying that it doesn't help them, <laughs> but it's just not very creative. That's true. It is not creative. And, like, literature has to suck. <laughs> yeah. And, but they probably think it's the best thing ever. Probably. Because they're Andalites. They're like, ah, this is so correct. My facts are all in order. How wonderful. <laughs> I, think I, read, I read a fanfic where, like, their poetry 
there's weird stuff about math in it. Yeah. How does that work? And also why. (laughs) One fan fiction I read a long time ago um, that was talking about how all of their movie collections was just historical holograms of battles. Were we reading the same thing? Probably. Was it between Marco and Axe again? Yes. Was it Breaking and Entering series? I have no idea. It was. It was. Is it called Lies Agreed Upon? Yeah. Yes. I love that one. <laughs> that one does cover a lot of sex topics. It really does. Literally, all of my Ed Light sex ideas are from that fanfic. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how to say your username, but thank you. <laughs> We're just gonna plug that. <laughs> <laughs> Their stuff is great. <laughs> It is very thorough. It's, yes. I like how this is just turned to fangirling over that one fanfic. <laughs> Casey can't read it. There's spoilers. Don't there, read it. Oh, God, don't do it. You can you can read the first one in the series after number 38. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> halfway through the book yet? Uh, yeah, actually we are. Oh my god. How much Shane Blade sex are we going to have to cut out? <laughs> <laughs> One third. <laughs> <laughs> this is as PG as we could get it. We don't We don't go for PG around here. <laughs> this is PG if your parents are like really neglectful and don't really care. <laughs> If we have Tobias's parents, which is what this book is about, that is our PG level. So dead or, or absent. Yeah. Or dead-ish. Alfinger's pretty dead by the end of this. Well, in fairness, like, the guy that Tobias thought was his dad is dead. I want to hear that guy's story. What if he wasn't, like, she was like, this is not your child, and he's like, I'm going to step up and raise this kid. And then he got hit by a bus. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, now I have feelings about this random unnamed character. <laughs> Who never is mentioned, I believe. He's mentioned like one time. And it's not specific. And he's not named, he has done nothing, and yet he was willing to step up and raise Tobias as his own. And then he got hit by a bus! And then he, he died after he got hit by that bus. And he <laughs> loved Tobias! He wanted to provide him with a good life. Oh my god. I'm not drunk enough for this. <laughs> Alright, so, Aloran takes them up, as promised. They're at 15,000 feet, and Aloran is like, we are going to eliminate Subvisor 7. So he grabs the hork that is Subvisor 7, suspected, and throws him out of the ship. <laughs> yeah. Elfangor thought he saw some sort of communication between Chapman and, and the hork known yeah, as Subvisor 7. Probably meant nothing. Yeah. He's exhausted. It's completely incidental. <laughs> they probably had a connection for the like five minutes that they met. So he was trying to trade the entire human race. I have read Chapman Visitor Three fan fiction. It was weird. Like t- together, as I want you to know, I made a motion like two penises touching their tips when I said like together. <laughs> <laughs> is that not how? Is that not how sex works? Is that not how sex works? You don't just touch the penises together. <laughs> Shit, everything I know is a lie. 
All <laughs> literally all I know about gay sex is that one chapter from Lies Agreed Upon. There's multiple chapters. Did you not read the, se- the chapter about gay- about the unplayed sex? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant just gay sex in general. I was like, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> there is. <laughs> I need help. I need an adult. An adultier adult than me. This this episode has suddenly turned into just a plug for that one. That one. It really, it has. I did just read an awesome crack theory on Reddit, though, that this entire series is an autobiography written by Marco, but the rest of the Animorphs, including Rachel and Cassie, made him choose a female name as the author because, like, come on, Marco. (laughs) Like, so... <laughs> I like that? I loved that when I read it. So I'll try and find it and send it to you, because they actually wrote, like, a short little excerpt of, like, the conversation between them deciding Catherine Applegate was, like, their their autobiography pseudonym. Oh my god, that's so perfect. I have to send it to you. It's really, it's, like, literally, like, a paragraph long, but it's perfect. I love it. I love it, and I haven't even read it. I think that I fully endorse, like, multiverse theory in Animorphs for the reason that I accept so many headcanons about everything that are totally don't work. It's like, oh, you think that they're all gay and... Okay. Oh, you think they're all straight? Okay. Oh, you think everybody except for Jake and Rachel are in love? And also Dax and Spice can't be in love because, you know, everyone who's not related is in love with each other? Fine. I'm cool. None of these things can work together. (laughs) But I'm cool with it. I don't even, like... It's so different to me, like, just fanfiction and things and, like, the original series. Like, I can't even transpose it i think just because it is so different but i so one of the things i do love though about like the fan fiction verse is how much into like the andalite culture they get into Mm -hmm. because that in and of itself is so interesting and talking about like axe's parents and things oh Oh, my god i love that that's why i stayed with that fic because like how much they talked about like the military and shit i was like Oh my god, this is so thought out. I'm terrified of Axe's mother, and I also I have the same feelings about her as I have about Rachel's mom. I love her character. But also I would want her as my lawyer. (laughs) Well, she fucking enrages me. Like, again, it's probably just because I love Rachel so much and abide by the whole rage before every other emotion thing. Of course. But, yeah, she just makes me so mad sometimes. Alright, I'm gonna continue. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, so... Subvisor 7 is thrown out of the ship. <laughs> in quotations. All of this is in quotations. And he goes careening towards the ground, presumably to die. And, uh... I'll think we're yeah, that's the end of the book. Yay, we did it, guys! <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not. It's all fucked. Everyone's fucked. Oh, God. This is the series. The End of Light Chronicles. We're all fucked. Everyone's fucked. <laughs> that that was the other tagline for the book. Yeah, that was the rejected one. Yeah, the Scholastic was into it. Yeah, they were they were like tone it down. This is for children. <laughs> it's like we won't even let you have gay androids in this. So no, yet. Um. So Aloran takes them back to the Yurk transport ship, and he trains the weapons array onto the ship, transporting those thousands of helpless Yurks. And he says to Elfangor, "Fire! Undo the mistake you made earlier." Alfango refuses. He's not going to destroy defenseless Yerks. And Aloran goes, kind of batshit? He snaps his tailblade to Alfango's throat and rants, 
about how in war you destroy your enemies. What difference does it make how you do it, whether it's one-on-one, blowing them up, or quantum virus? And that's the moment that everything comes into focus for Elfangor. He figures out that Aloran's disgrace is that he released the quantum virus on the Horkvisor homeworld. This guy is fucked up by war. Like, he's really bad. Um, And there's been rumors for years that the quantum virus was released. The Ambulites have been accused of releasing one, and it has been denied just by everyone, left, right, and center. No contest. So finding this out, like, not only shatters Elfangor's view of Aloran, but also of the Andalite Council and and how much they're actually telling their people. Um, And I think it's very soon after this, but I don't think I wrote it down, that they, they mentioned that the spaceport is so busy that the Andalites are saying the war is going well for them, and they realize it absolutely is not. <laughs> it's yeah. going badly for them. So I think one of my notes in here is, do they even ever win? Yeah, I think they need the Amorphs to actually help them win anything. But that's, at the end of the day, do they ever actually win? Do they ever win based on their own merit? God, no. Very rarely, there's they never come out of it emotionally. This is, okay. is kind of this is kind of a spoiler and kind of not <laughs> because we know nothing about it. It's just mentioned. Yeah, but like they mention some sort of conflict that the the Yurks are involved in that Fister One fucks up, and we don't know anything about that based on the Andalites' usual mo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that they won mostly based on Fister One's incompetence. And not necessarily because they know what the fuck they're doing. The only battles ever won in this series are based on the incompetence of the Yurk leaders. Yeah. They're so incompetent. The, the Andalites are probably the worst, quote-unquote, saviors of the galaxy that you could possibly And the for. Yurks are the worst, like, race taking over the galaxy. Like, they're, they're incompetent. The Andalites are arrogant. Like... Where are the Pemelites when we need them? Seriously. We would all just be happy dog people. Right, we'd probably they'd probably teach us some awesome games and we'd have you know, fun forever. We have gleeful werewolves. Oh my god. Somebody write that fanfiction. <laughs> Person who wrote wrote Isaac Read Upon, you do that next. <laughs> I'm gonna have to send them messages. We'll read that. God, I hope they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Well, if they do, we've definitely just we've just embarrassed the hell out of them. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. Be embarrassed. This is a very important part. Everybody pay attention. Okay. So, Aloran's gone fucking nuts. Chapman comes up behind him and punches Aloran in the head, which distracts him enough. I don't know how, the, how he snuck up behind him, but whatever. Aloran was having his psychotic break. I guess, and admitting he released a quantum virus. This allows Elfangor to smack him upside the head with the flat of his tail blade and knock him silly if not unconscious. And then he grabs some other shit from the med kit that puts him out for sure and starts heading back towards the wreckage of the Skritna ship. He's exhausted and realizes he's the only one that's in charge right now and he has nobody to fall back on and, and basically check him. So it's not going well. So they make it back to the Skritna ship and this is when Elfangor realizes his huge fuck-up. So he knows exactly what he's going to see when he goes back onto the ship. He's going to have to fire three quick shots, just like Arbron. 
So he gets on there. He takes out Lauren. He takes out Chapman and the right arm of a Lauren, or as he will now be known, Subvisor Seven. Dun dun dun. Who saw that coming? I saw it coming. I mean, I mean, we got his name one book ago, two books ago. Technically, I didn't see this coming when I first read it because I read number eight. Like, uh, it was like the second last book before I caught up. No. Oh, yeah, that you would be surprised by this then. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I did not I... see it coming because I didn't remember his name was Lauren and I was a child. You're, you're a bad child. I know. Which is why Cavalcade was out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> if I've learned anything doing this podcast is a tribute to K.A. Applegate. It's that she fucking hates me. (laughs) I'm so upset right now. I have a goddamn tattoo. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, Elfangor single-handedly let the abomination happen. And, uh, every... he, He basically, like, despairs because every move he made to be a good warrior and to uphold the Andalite beliefs fucked him over immensely. So he refused to fry the 10,000 Yerks. He refused to like kill Subvisor 7 kinda. He at least argued. And Subvisor 7 tells him that if he had made the move to blow up those like thousands of Yerks he would have had to step up and stop him. But of course he didn't. So that allowed him to like continue to pretend to be Chapman, whose head he was hiding in, and then as soon as uh, Aloran was knocked out, he was able to take over his body. Which, by the way, he's the one that knocked Aloran out, who was having a psychotic break. So it's basically all Elfangor's fart... Fart? Fault? Yes. <laughs> fault from start to finish. Technically, the only thing in that that wasn't Elfangor's fault was Aloran having a psychotic break, because that was just bound to happen eventually. Yeah. And he even kind of foreshadows it when Lauren talks about her dad earlier who yeah. got back from Nam, and he's like, some people just don't come back from war. God, that's a really good foreshadowing. It's, it is, and it's so subtle. I still so, have more feelings about that. I, I have a lot of feelings about this book. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about the series in general. But this book is like a fucking masterpiece in the series. Seriously. So good. Like, I love the Chronicles in general, except for Elmas Chronicles, almost fuck you. And it's <laughs> fair. I mean, it's fine, but also I hate it. It's like a book that was written because it's like, let's try high fantasy within the Animorphs world, kind of. Right. And, like, I respect what it was trying to do. I respect it, and it brings such interesting stuff into the series. Yeah. Also, what the fuck. It's like, I kind of, I kind of would have been okay with Elmas continuing to be like this mysterious character that I didn't know much about. Yeah. Like that would be kind of cool. Like what's this deal? I don't know. But also then we wouldn't find out about I like the aspects of stuff and things. Same. I also like stuff and things. Stuff and things is great. Also I have thoughts on that that we'll talk about later. (laughs) Alright. Phone call. Alright, so Elfangor, after creating this abomination, has one final thought, which is what allows him to get away, basically, and fight another day. And that is that he fully knocks out Subvisor 7, and then 
basically right after brings him to, which, by the way, I'm really concerned about this drug use to, like, knock him out, bring him to, knock him out, bring him to, like, his body is fucked up right now. You know, that might be a good argument for why Mr. Three goes, cuckoo, cuckoo. Because he has so many, like, brain damage moments. I mean, you've got all those chemicals that are probably fucking with him, like, and also he just infested a guy who had a psychotic break. None of that could have been good for him. Okay, so, like, the drugs thing is interesting, except he remains such a badass throughout the rest of the series that I don't know if it would immediately affect him. But we did um, talk about before what happens to Yerks that infect people with, like, degenerative brain diseases and things. Mm -hmm. Or, like, would it break them down viewing everything from the perspective of somebody who's insane? Like, because it's got to, right? Because their perception all comes from that person. Right. I don't know. Like... I mean, because Aloran, like, first of all, he's a tortured, fragile mind. He just yeah. had a psychotic break with his own people safe on his own ship. So being tortured by the yerk in his head for years on mm-hmm. end, he's just descending into madness. Basically, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, God. And that's why by the time we get to regular Animorphs timeline, Visor 3 is, like, so crazy and incompetent and he rants because and then again too when we when jake gets his infestation they talk about how parts of like the yerk and parts of the past host kind yeah. of imprint on the human mm-hmm. so now aloran's ranting and raving like the psychotic break he just had could be him imprinting on visitor three and that's why visitor three rants so often right because we know like yeah like you just said that yerks take bits of their hosts with them mm-hmm. like all that sure. imprints on Jake's brain only because, you know, Tamarash dies in his head. But, like, if, you know, Tamarash had survived and left Jake, he would have carried part of him with yeah. him, too. I wonder if the part of Tom in Jake's head makes him braver. That is a good question. He's like double Gryffindor now. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Gryffindor, Gryffindor. He could, pro- he could probably, you know, pull the... Gryffindor sword out of his ass anytime he wanted to. <laughs> out of his own ass. Out of his own ass. He yeah. could heal himself with his own tears. <laughs> <laughs> we need to work on this crossover universe we have going on. <laughs> oh man. Alright. I'm getting back to it because we can we, do it. We can do it. We can do it. We, yeah, because we can this. do it. We got it, guys. <laughs> We've so good. This. We haven't talked about alien sex in like 10 minutes. At least 10 minutes, if not 12. <laughs> <laughs> Marker that. <laughs> so, um, basically, Elfangor gets on the line with the bug fighters and says, uh, See that Andalite down there? I am Visor 3, assuredly. You must believe me. He is some sort of horrific thing, so chase him and shoot him. And when he's exhausted, kill him. You know, probably. And uh, so they do, which gives Elfangor time to obtain the time matrix, lash it to the ship, and then he takes off, and they kindly order him to land, and he kindly responds, no thank you, and that's when they realize that he's the Andalite escaping. You know, that's probably the, the most calmest conversation between an Andalite and a Yurk that happens the entire series. Probably ever. Yeah. Like, they legitimately, would you please land? No. It's probably even calmer than they had during peacetime. It was just like... <laughs> they were just like, respectfully, I respectfully asked you to land. I respectfully declined. Okay. 
you're an enemy. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. It's like, okay, nice talking to you. Bye. <laughs> and like, since he's like a young age, like, bye-bye, sir. <laughs> it was nice talking to you. That Eric that was talking to him was probably like, probably still thinks about him sometimes. Oh, what a nice Andalite. <laughs> he was so polite. It's like, Andalite suck, except for that one young man. He was he's, very nice. He was an upstanding young gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so never wonder what ever happened to him. It just nobody nobody ever tells him that it was little fingers. Like just don't <laughs> don't ruin it for him. And he hears like all the shit from Visitor Three. He's like, I hate that little finger guy. He's real mean. He's like, the, but that one Andalite was real nice. They're so, like, don't don't let him know. <laughs> don't don't break him down like yeah. this. He has hopes. <laughs> I would I would read a fan fiction just about that guy and that year later. Went on to spawn more Yerks, who eventually turned into number 19. <laughs> Maybe that Yerk is the guy that fell in love with the one <gasps> that Axe has that weird kind of alliance with. Oh my god. We figured it out. Because because once Elfangor showed him politeness and he learned how to love. Yep. Aww. Aww. And maybe he heard that this axe guy was Lefanger's little brother, and he's like, he'll he's understand. He's an outstanding young citizen, too. Yeah, he'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> I love that book when they're like, you're just like your brother. He's like, thank you. <laughs> I am. He's so cute. I, was God, I really want some cinnamon buns now. Cinnamon buns are delicious. We don't really have a cinnamon bun around here, though. This is why I moved to Pal to not here. And, yeah. I didn't go far, but I left. <laughs> Not here, though. Not here. All right. So, Elfangor takes off into Z-Space, and I wrote he realizes his fuck-up, but I'm pretty sure he realized all along his fuck-ups. Um, he's liberated Lauren. Uh, he made a deal with the Yurk in her head, who is at the end of his feeding cycle, to crawl out, and he would, instead of letting him starve, put him into cryogenic freezing. Which he does, but then ejects him into his son, which he doesn't think is precisely within the spirit of their deal, but he does it anyways. Yeah. Um, and I wrote, Chapman is free, but still a giant dillweed. Yep, that's a very accurate <laughs> summation of this yeah. chapter. Um, so, basically, Chapman's trying to convince him to use the time matrix, and Elfangor says, like, very nonchalantly... Yeah, but to do that, we'd have to return to regular space. And of course, the Yerks put trackers on this ship. And so they'll basically light up and every Yerk within a thousand miles will come to us as soon as we enter regular space. Chapman is, like, embarrassed that it was that easy to guess. <laughs> um, I mean, the Andalites suck. And sometimes, and I mean, the Yerks should learn everything they know from the Andalites. Yeah. So, I mean, keep that in mind. <laughs> I still... Um... So they're basically going in circles in Z-Space, and Lauren's kind of losing it with Elfangor, too, at this point. She just wants to get back to Earth, and uh, she's just upset. Uh, and then Elfangor brings up the ads, and Lauren tells him it's cigarettes, and they make a date to go back to that waterfall if they ever get to Earth with the Mustang, but no cigarettes. They're oh, so in Yosemite. love. <laughs> they are so in love. Oh. They're cute. They could have, like, candy cigarettes. Why can't they just eat lollipops? Like They could eat lollipops. They could take cinnamon buns. I mean, those are technically white cylinders. The lollipop stick. Oh, I thought you meant cinnamon buns. I'm like, what? (laughs) 
What kind of cinnamon buns have you been eating? I was wondering what kind of cinnamon buns you've been eating. <laughs> I don't know how much of that was words and how much of that was just high pitched buzzing. <laughs> Weirdly, I understood it. Good. Which worries me about myself. Well, we're working on that thought speak link. Oh, right, right, yeah. right, right. So you got it. Yeah. I, I transferred my emotions to you. So, um, Elfanger comes up with a plan. He's basically decided just to come out of Z-Space as close to the Star Sword as possible, and they believe there's another Andalite Dome ship on the way, and that should basically be enough to handle anything Visor 3 can throw at them. Or Sub-Visor 7, or Visor 32. Visor 569. Yeah, exactly. Visor 69. I wanted to know who that was. Oh my god, what if Visor 69 gets a human morph, and then fully- human morph, human- Post and then fully embraces like sixty nine no. dudes, no. and then he go- and then he goes and finds Subvisor sixty nine. Oh my god! Oh. And then they team up as Bill and Ted and go on adventures. Yes, and that is how Bill and Ted happens. Oh my god, we figured it out. Wow, this is amazing. Wow, so many crossovers. So many crossovers. So many crossovers. So little time. So many fan theories. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, they do drop out of Z-Space right by the Star Sword, which is, by the way, the most unimaginative name for a fucking ship. Again, Andalites, terrible at naming things. Like, we like stars. A sword is a weapon. Yay! We named it. They're like me naming animals. I should really become more creative. They get to the Star Sword, and it is under attack from possibly sentient comets? They were asteroids. They weren't comets. Star Sword is being consumed by living asteroids. And every time they try to fire up engines or shoot something, it is getting worse. And the Jahar is watching the ship go down, and it's it's just not looking good for anybody. And then suddenly the blade ship appears, because of course they were tracking them and waiting for them to drop out of Z-Space and blah blah blah. Do they just have a blade ship just hanging around? Waiting for somebody to get promoted. Yes. <laughs> like, this is your promotional blade ship. Actually, they probably, like, execute the guy that was in charge of them before. Like, probably every visitor gets a blade ship, and then every time, like, one guy gets promoted, they kill the previous guy, and then he gets that blade ship. Yeah, that does kind of sound like what they would do. Sounds like what they would do. I agree. I agree with myself. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the blade ship appears, and uh, after some quick thinking, Lauren is, is, tries to establish a video with the Jahar, and Elfangor kind of does this really quick rapid-fire thing with Lauren, where he's like, pretend to shoot me after a little bit. So Elfangor makes contact. When Lauren pretends to shoot him, he slumps forward on the panel and shuts off the video when he does. But then Chapman's there, and he kicks out Lauren's legs and takes a shredder, and he's escaped his bonds somehow. He shoots Elfangor, numbing his left side, but then Lauren kicks him straight in the nuts. <laughs> Yay, good job, Lauren. What I want to know is, what was Chapman's end game here? Like, he's on a ship with, you know, two people who are like, nah. Yeah. That's my very I think just thoughtful. to endear himself to Visor 32... Formerly Sub-Visor 7. He's now Visor 32, officially. As he okay, announces you, you, at some you point. You have to know what I'm thinking here. That he can never have children now? And Melissa's alive? She's <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> made of a bastard? No, child? my thought... 
Okay, now that's my thought. <laughs> <laughs> my other thought was, he wants to fuck Fizzer 32. Oh yeah, my thought was that he can never have children again. What the fuck happens next? Oh, okay. I don't know, you're the one with the notes. I do have my notes. My notes are jumped all over the place. I literally go chapter by chapter, so I better know, and I do. The blade ship forcibly boards the Jahar, which I keep wanting to say Jafar, but it's the <laughs> Jahar. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Visitor 32 boards a ship. He approaches Elfangor, and in a last-ditch effort to do something, Elfangor swings his tailblade into the console, which fires the Jahar's shutters directly into the blade ship, breaks them loose, and sucks everything into space, and they're spinning out of control, and there's no air, and basically they're gonna die. Woohoo! Part three! Yay! Oh. We made it, guys. Keep talking. I will okay. look up something. Sure. I can talk forever. I know. So, part three. Oh, part three. Oh, 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 oh. I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, oh. I'm ready. I did not realize that what I wanted to talk about was, like, on the second page of part three. <laughs> so, Animorphs tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. This is too long to be a tattoo. It's nothing's too long to be a tattoo. I know, but it's too long for me to want to sit there and have them, like... Yeah. It's the best moment of my life, I tell you. Yeah, but you're a weirdo. <laughs> this is why we became friends in the first place. Very you're a weirdo. True. Very true. You asked me what you, what, what you should name your horse, and I said Bob, and you were like, that's a good idea. I also said we should name everything Bob. Yes. And that's how we became friends. Exactly. <laughs> so I think, I think that it says a lot about both of us. <laughs> None of it good. <laughs> yeah, it really did. But let's hear it. What do you want as a tattoo? Okay. So it's on page 218 to 219. But the la- the quote is, Because without life there is no despair, but without life there can also never be hope. I like that line. I want that line. That's a great somewhere line. I have several friends who have the last line tattooed on them somewhere. Yeah, that's and I think that's Michael Grant's favorite quote from the book series, too, if I remember correctly. Which? Just the hope. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Like, I would put that on me. But I don't want to be like all of my friends. Well, I do, but like, in a vague, they're cool, I want to be cool too kind of way. (laughs) Yeah. By relation. Yeah, I went a very different and depressing direction with that. Yeah, and I hate you for it. Me too. Deep down. I just see your arm and I I know. cry. And you're like, oh. It's like every time you lift your arm, I'm like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not because I smell this time. No. And that quote is, of course, um, when Elfangor decides he has to let Aaron into the ship to save Lauren and that he can't let himself die because he, Lauren can't die while there's still hope. He can't make that choice for her. Also, that would be the end of the book. Yeah, that would be the end of the book. Yeah. And we're just at part three. <laughs> Which is the last part. It is the last part. That would be, it would be kind of pointless to have three parts and then have part three just be two pages. Be funny, though. It would be funny. I'm like, well, that's a weirdly light slash really dark place to end the book. This is depressing, yet funny. Yep. It's like, how did he get to the construction site? Oh, he time traveled. Probably. And then he died. That could happen. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's so much worse. Yep. So, um, yes, the ship is, the air is sucked out of it. They're in and out of consciousness. Um, Elfangor does hit the panel. By, he launches at it, he misses, and then uh, Lauren pushes him back. She's somehow regained consciousness. And then he hits the panel, 
puts air back into the ship, and they slowly come to, although there's no gravity. Um, then Visor 32 uh, says they have to work together, and somehow Ophangor agrees, and they basically just find a bunch of junk in the ship, tie it together, and send Elfangor out to retrieve the Time Matrix, wearing stupid hoods that would not work in space at all. No. It only covers their heads. Not very doable. But they do. Presumably fighters aren't equipped for spacewalks. It's like you're, you're just supposed to go out, fight battle, come back. They're only five minute hoods, though. Like, it's probably like... Our ship is crashing, and our only chance is to jump from this ship to that ship kind of a thing. Yeah, like, you're gonna be out there for, like, three seconds. Exactly. Because they're still- his body still freezes, like, if- somehow the gases keep his body from decompressing, but it doesn't fight off the cold or anything. Can you imagine an Andalite-shaped spacesuit, though? (laughs) Yeah. It'd be (laughs) terrible. It would. They accidentally cut it open so many times. Alright, so, um, Elfanger goes out or, there. Or, 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 Like, the only part that's exposed is the tail blade. It's just sticking oh out. And the rest is covered. It, like, they had to stick it through a thing to make an airtight seal. It's like, maybe there's, like, a little, like, bubble. A tail bubble. Yeah, tail bubble. That looks so stupid that they go to, like, hit <laughs> something with it and it just, like, bonk. I love it. Somebody draw that. Please. Alright, so... A finger jumps outside the ship. He's working with Visor 32, who kind of tugs him along. He tap-taps his little hooves on the side of the ship and bounces over to the engines where the time matrix is stuck. Um, he then fashions a kind of sling out of the ropes and has Visor 32 pull him back in. By the time he gets back in, Lauren is not looking good. Her lips are blue. She's on the verge of death. She's, like, doubled over because she's got some sort of problems with pain and shit. And aren't the, like, the the gases in the... Yeah, they're not configured for a human. Yeah. So she's not doing well. Yeah, and that's... They said the hood wasn't built for her and it can't sustain her. Um, So Visor 32 and Elfanger are getting ready to fight, but they're still in zero G, so they're not really sure how it's gonna go down. Um, And then... It's probably not as funny as what I'm picturing in my head. It's Probably just really lame of them swinging limbs and floating aimlessly through the air. You want that to be cool. You want that to be hilarious, but it's just... Yeah, it would just not turn out well. Nope. So instead, they wrestle over the time matrix, and uh, Visor 32 is winning. Elfangor, his mind is not as strong. I mean, he was just outside, he's freezing to death, and Visor 32 is a yerk warm within the head of his host body, so he has an advantage. And he's trying to steer them back to the Yurk homeworld. Elfanger starts to fight him, but he just isn't as strong. And then suddenly there is a third mind wrestling, and it's Lauren. And she's stronger than they could have imagined. And all of a sudden they're moving. (laughs) And something is laughing at them. So the next thing that happens... I I have have thoughts. Okay, tell us. Okay, so what happens is they get to this world thing that they've created that's mm-hmm. one-third he- Earth, one-third Andalite homeworld, and one-third question mark? Because, okay, Elfanger says that it's the Yurk homeworld, mm. but, like, Elfanger doesn't know shit. <laughs> that is very clear very soon. Like, he doesn't, like, he's never been there. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm sorry, spoiler, but neither is Visitor 3. <laughs> because Visitor 3 was not born on the Earthcomb world, he was born after they left, and there is a antelite blockade around the Earthcomb world, so he's never been back. So where the hell are they? <laughs> His approximation, I assume. I don't think so. That's not what I know. Okay. No, I think, think I think that where he took them... Where he tried to take them was a place that he figured that he'd have the upper hand. Like, there's only, like, one thing that we know for sure is on the Yurk homeworld, and that's Yurk pools, and we don't seem to see them. And the Geds. Right. And we see- Which we don't see! Right, we don't see Geds, we don't see Yurk pool. We see nothing that's identifiably Yurk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All we see are weird beasts and, like, tongues shooting out of the ground, which are not mentioned- Right. As being on the Earth home world, as far as I know. Right. Like, we do see, again, spoiler, we see the Earth home world briefly, at some point. At some point during the series. That's not really a spoiler. That's Right. You have to assume we will. And we never see the Earth home world, except for this book. Yeah. And it's just, you have to assume that, like, like Lauren's version of Earth, it's a very... Elfangor-centric version of yeah, it. Yeah, and although they, it would be because they only have the three cities, which are just the spaceports where they build the ships. Uh-huh. I mean, the Andalite homeworld, as grazing creatures, it really is just this and then spaceport. Right. So, it's lame is what I'm saying. The Established. Probably, the Andalites probably think it's the best, but again, you know, based on all the Andalites that we've met, I'm going to assume that all Andalites know shit. That seems like a pretty good... Yeah, that seems like a solid assumption. It is a solid assumption. Fools. But yeah. Yeah, that's what they see there. I mean, we theorize it's the Yurk home world, and that's what Elfangor says after a while, but... Basically, the only thing that we have to go off of that is what Elfangor says as established. Elfangor yeah. knows shit. I'm gonna describe this home world, because that mystery is going to stick with me all night. Yeah, fuck. So, Elfangor, as... Stated, there is part of his own planet. Um, he breaks down by his guide tree. We find out a little bit about that. He gallops towards his scoop, but of course his parents are not there. And then when he looks behind it, he sees an impossible waterfall. That's basically how he starts putting together the theory that it's part Earth. And then when he looks up at the sky, he sees the green sky with the lightning, and that's the Yurk part, or at least the Visor 32 part of it. They made a world, baby! <laughs> they made a world, baby! <laughs> They did make a world, baby. Aw, what should they name? What should they name it? Hell, hell, just straight hell. Okay, no argument for me. I'm sorry, this is gay hell because everyone is gay. What? This is the dungeon. This is what happens when a yerk, an andalite, and a human have my mind fuck. So is this three shades of fucked? Yeah. Got it. This is. The I new think... erotic fan fiction. <laughs> Three Shades of Fuck. <laughs> I think this is a great PSA for why you should not fuck aliens. You might create a three-part world that's a helix-shaped. Yeah. With a time matrix in the middle. Yeah. And you'll get old real fast. Yeah. That's what happens when you have sex. PSA. Don't have sex. <laughs> you might... Wait. <laughs> Listen. If I ever have children, which... God, who would let me have children? Hopefully none of us have children. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if I ever have children, this is exactly how the sex talk is going to go. If I ever have children, 
I'm just going to sit them down to this podcast. <laughs> Find your own way. <laughs> what we've established in this podcast is that it's not okay to fuck aliens. I think we've resoundingly said it is okay to fuck aliens, <laughs> as long as there's consent. Right, okay, it's... As long as it's... Just, <laughs> it's okay to fuck aliens, but use production so that you don't create a... A mule no. baby. Well, mule babies are fine, because Tobias. Does that make Tobias sterile? Ooh, good question. Ooh. <laughs> but you might... But you, you might create a weird hell pocket universe... So, where, use production. Put a condom on the time matrix. You heard it here first. <laughs> However, so we're clear, having sex with an alien without protection, not okay. Cannibalism, hey, you do you. It's up to you, man. Well, we'll continue to move along and see what happens. Okay. Okay. Let's go. So, um, as we said, combined worlds, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, Elfangor and Lauren meet up. Um, Elfangor is running towards the ear side of things because he's afraid Visitor 32 will have gotten to her first. He did not. The reunion is cut short, though, by Visitor 32 showing up. And not alone. Rude. It is a little rude. I mean, his invitation definitely did not allow for a plus one, let alone a plus two. And he brought a plus, possibly infinity. Yeah. Seriously, what the hell, guy? He's kind of a dick. This would not pass the wedding etiquette test. Yeah, no. No one is inviting him back. Certainly not me. No, and also he probably killed, like, half the guests because they looked at him funny. Probably. (laughs) So, Uh, you know. However, he is most likely to catch the bouquet because everyone else is dead. Very true. So he he and Chapman can run off and have weird mule babies. I feel like you're really shipping Chapman and Visitor 3. I mean, I'm not saying that it's healthy. (laughs) I'm just saying it's there. So what happens is uh, Visitor 32 showed up with Mortrons, which are these insane creatures that have biological wheels on them. Which just wouldn't fucking work. Yeah, that's really fucking weird. There's no way. So, um, there's some trash talk. Then Lauren throws a rock at Visitor 32 and hits him in the face. Which is awesome. It's awesome. And it's also, like, a great kind of throw in there, too, about how humans evolve to, like, swing their shoulders, up, like, their arm above their shoulders, which is something that's Although, exclusive to monkeys. Although, didn't she say that she learned that from softball? Well, she did. In which like, case, she would do it underhand. I want to know if she did the full, like, windmill arm thing. I she, hope so. Also, there's some serious, like, edible stuff going on here, because... Lauren and Rachel are very similar. <laughs> are you saying Tobias has an Oedipus complex? Yes. A little bit. Yeah, Except he didn't really know his mom, so... An unintentional Oedipus complex. Right, unintentional. I don't think he's aware of it. And I don't think he really wants to fuck his mom, obviously. No. Because he has no idea. Right. It's just... It's yeah. a weird thing. <laughs> it isn't. Yeah. It happens. So anyway... Maybe that's the- just what, you know, dudes in his family find attractive. His dad found that attractive. He finds that attractive. They're genetically linked. So anyways, Visitor 32 sends Mortrons after them, which basically split into a spinny wheel-based thing and a giant bat, and Elfangor slices them, and then they regenerate, and then fucking Visitor 32 does math. Because it's not an Animorphs book without fucking math breakdowns in the middle of it. Yeah. 
Right? So angry about that. I yeah. checked their map, too. It was correct. Yeah. By my standards. So, like, 30% chance it's right. Got it. Um, and then Lauren rides Elfinger like a giant blue pony and they escape. Like a senchaw. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like a senchaw. Um, truly, it's the best part. It is pretty funny. I love the idea of Lauren just being like, you're not going to be offended by it. Never mind. Let's just make it happen. And then, of course, I thought of all the jokes about her riding him, and I was a little worried this might become raunchy at this point in the podcast, but clearly we're beyond that. (laughs) (laughs) That was tame, I guess. (laughs) I mean, earlier I made a joke about Finger riding a Mustang. Which he did. He did. I wonder if they ever... I wonder if Tobias was conceived in the back of that Mustang. Oh, 100%. He really loves that thing. Okay, anyways... (laughs) They get to the human section of this world, and Lauren is trying to explain things. Elfangor is doing a very bad job of understanding them. He doesn't understand houses are hollows. He doesn't... The street, they're like, this is for cars to drive on. He's like, oh, right, so they don't ruin the grass for eating. Because he still hasn't fucking figured out that humans don't eat grass at this point. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Um, I'm still just imagining what... Like, his vision of humans just pressing their faces to the ground. I'm like, wait till he finds out about, like, animals who actually eat grass. Like, yeah, that's actually what they do. It's gonna blow his goddamn mind. Okay, the first time Elfangor ever finds out what a giraffe is, probably just, like, fucks him up forever. Wait, it's like a really long andalite? Yeah. It's like, okay, I get it. It feeds leaves from tops of trees. That makes uh-huh. sense. Uh-huh. Okay. It's like, that's reasonable. I'm sorry, how does it drink? Its tongue is like a foot long and purple? Its heart is like 24 pounds? What the fuck? What is this creature? And that is pretty much how the dialogue goes, except for like houses and shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that was actually a really good example of what's going on right now. I'm a genius. Confirmed. Obviously. That's why we invited you here. So they get to Lauren's house, she runs up to the front door, and she says her mom's gonna be there. Elfangor's like, don't count on it! But she totally is, and she's the super creepy Stepford White version of herself. Yeah. And, like, she knows about Andalite, and Lauren's like, this is my friend, don't be scared. And she's like, why would I be scared? And she's like, this isn't my standard school friend. And she's like, what do you mean? Mom, this is my boyfriend, Elfanger. <laughs> Pretty much! And then when they're like, we're going to go upstairs to her room, she's like, but always keep the door cracked. That's the rules when Andalites are over. Why? Uh, also, Andalites climbing stairs is kind of an amusing Oh image. my god, that bugged the shit on me. There's no way he'd be able to go up or down stairs. It's yeah. super hard for horses, very dangerous. I can't imagine it's any easier for Andalites. To be fair, if an Andalite breaks a leg, he can just be more. He can just morph. At least he can hold on to the stair banister. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You know, maybe horses would have an easier time if they would just, like, grab onto the banister with their teeth. I mean, maybe, but then they'd have to, like, turn their bodies around their heads repeatedly. I'm not saying it would be a good option. I'm just saying maybe they'd have an easier time. So, Elfangor goes upstairs, steals a picture, goes downstairs, decides to go look for Lauren. I told you I'd move things along. Yep. And uh, then he hears a weird thwack noise, and he finds Lauren hitting softballs. Um, she's super upset, they talk, they walk to the edge of the world because Lauren has to clean up the equipment, otherwise her coach will get really pissed at her, um, and they 
find the literal edge of their world. Yep. Which is just a big blank white thing. And when Lauren reaches her hand in it, it just turns back towards her face. Which is creepy as fuck. Super creepy. Yeah, this part kind of was freaking me out. Um, so they decide to get out of there ASAP. They basically travel along the edge of the world, keeping the white blank part on their right side. And they keep coming across, like, Andalite, Earth, theoretical Yurk, Andalite. Like, they, they just keep avoiding the Yurk parts, but then, like, walking along their parts until they get to a McDonald's. And Lauren is pumped! <laughs> Spoiler alert, this is fucking horrifying. So, right side, it's the first real food she's had in, like, weeks. Yeah, that's not liquefied grass. So, Fangor encourages her to try and get some human food, and they walk in, and Lauren has conjured up the cashier that apparently has a crush on her, and she says all she ever noticed about him was his horrible acne, and so she's created this giant eyeless acne monster, which is horrifying. I bet you that when she gets back to Earth, she can never look that guy in the face again. Like, she just- She doesn't even have a face. No, I mean, like, when she gets back to, like, like home. Home. just acne. Like, she's just like, well, I can never go back to McDonald's. Ever. Yep. This doesn't stop her this time, though. She gets a Big Mac with extra pickles and eats the shit out of it. This has to be fiction, because whenever he, like, asked them for, uh, like, to do anything different to your burgers at McDonald's than just, like, the regular baseline, they hate you immediately. <laughs> I went there last week and asked for a salad, and they said, we aren't doing salads today. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Dear God, where do I even go from here? Um, next paragraph? That seems about right. So, yes. Lauren and Ophanger are traveling through the landscapes. As they start, um, oh, sorry, let me back up a bit. As Lauren's eating the burger, uh, Elfangor is trying not to picture what she's doing with her mouth and staring at the sky, and he realizes they're in some sort of spiral, and he theorizes that the time matrix is in the middle of the spiral. So they start walking through these landscapes, trying to get to the middle, and avoiding the Yurk territory. They're traveling through. Elfangor says, hey, if you climb up on my back, we can probably go faster again. So she does. That's just his kink. That's his kink now. Yeah. He's super into that shit. Uh, yeah. So, um, as they approach the center, Elfangor starts stumbling, and he realizes that his hooves are growing at an exponential rate, and that's why he tripped. Um, time is stretching as they get closer. And then Lauren's hair and nails are just growing out of control. Her toenails are coming through her shoes or just, artificial hooves. Just so creepy. Yeah, it's... I don't know why, but that is like, the, the nails growing part is the creepiest part of this whole thing. It's like your hair growing crazy. Okay, I can deal with that. It's fine. I've, I've seen enough, you know, cartoon wizards with really long beards. It's fine. <laughs> but the toenails and the fingernails? No. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a little creepy. Yeah. Especially going through her shoes, like, yeah. We'll we'll move on. <laughs> Those are probably nice shoes too, damn it. Um, I so, hope she I hope she was ready to like, yeah, I'm, it's about ready to buy a new pair, and not I, like these were brand new. <laughs> I imagine after all the tax and homeworld shit, she needs some new shoes. Probably. There's probably a lot of gore and shit on them. Yeah, nobody wants tax and dude all over their shoes. I don't. Same. So, um, they get, they get to, like, the middle of where the time vortex is, and they basically just decide to close their eyes and jump in, 
And they do? <laughs> because that's a good way to do it. Sure. Balls to the wall. Why not? Um, or whatever androids have. So anyways, they make it through the vortex. They come into the middle, see the time matrix, and they're kind of talking for a minute. And then Vizzer32 appears with his Mortrons. And uh, he basically just orders them to attack and they have to figure out how to take them out without cutting them in half or quarters whatever um lauren decides to do this by hitting them with a bat and then fails and then she starts choking them out with her bare goddamn hands so awesome she's so badass and then elfangor who is tail fighting a lauren slash miser 32 he's like, I'm gonna land a blow, there's a Mortron about to get me, I have to choose, one of them's gonna hit me. He's saved by Lauren throwing a Mortron's lifeless body to intercept the other Mortron. <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with the old pimp! It's basically what happens. <laughs> so, um, now that the Mortrons are taken care of, the fight is truly between Aloran and Alfangor. And, um, Aloran slash Visitor 32 is intimidated by him, and... Lauren keeps calling it out. Alfangor doesn't believe her at first, but really, Visor 32 has seen him tail fight through Aloran's memories and knows that he can go into that, like, trance state where he's just really fucking intense. Um, so yeah, he backs down because, once again, humans are the only ones that keep fighting when the odds are completely against them. Because we're awesome. We're insane. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um... So Visitor 32 leaves. He just walks away. Bye. Yeah. I'll never see you again. Get out! <laughs> and uh, Visitor 32's gone, and Elfangor has to decide what to do. And he's kind of like, I can't take the Time Matrix to my own people. I can't take it to other people. I can't, obviously I can't go to the Yerks. And so he decides to let Lauren drive the thing back to their homeworld. And her only mission is to get there after the Skritna leave, because otherwise they'll fuck up the whole timeline and destroy everything that just happened. Um, and then also convince people that she now looks 18, because this whole, like, getting to the center of the Vortex thing has aged her a ton. Well, several years. Maybe if they walked backwards through the time Vortex, she would de-age. I don't think Elfangor could figure that out somehow. You're right, because he doesn't know shit. We get, we does not know shit. You're right, you're right, you're right. And also I wrote in here that, like, the mission to get back before her mom notices is totally Animorphs logic. Like, Oh god, yeah. <laughs> that is, so, basically, Lauren and Elfinger create the universe. Which yeah. essentially makes all of their caveats kind of useless. Because it doesn't really matter <laughs> that... If they fuck up the timeline because they're coming from a different universe. They have the time matrix, so whatever timeline they go into, theoretically, will become the correct one because they have the time matrix. Right. The problem I always have with the time matrix, every time it comes up, all two times, is... I have this problem both times. Is that they keep uh, treating it like it's a time machine, but it's not a time machine. It's a timeline machine. Yeah. It creates timelines. And lets you travel along existing ones. Right. So, uh, okay, several questions. One, why the fuck does the Elemis need a time ma- a timeline maker? Because, like, we know he can do that just himself. Like, number seven, yeah. he get, put six in the universe temporarily where 
Lyrics one. There you go. Uh, we like, know that he can travel through time without needing to do anything. What does he need this for? The there's, only logical conclusion is to let someone else travel through time. There's also a theory that Elfangor and Lauren don't just create the universe. They also technically sort of create the Elmist as well. Because, okay, think about it. I'm sorry, Sue, but I'm, like, going chicken and egg in my head. I'm sorry, spoiler. The, aside from the Elmas Chronicles, this is the only Chronicles book that the that the Elmas is in. Okay, well, this, specifically, yeah. Tangentially, he's in all, I believe. No, well, not, no, not Hork, for sure. Not really in... Tangentially. How? Because I believe they talk about him in that book. Like, I they think mention, so. I think they at least mention the lore of him. Because of dealing with the Andalites. I, it does, doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know why he would have come up. I don't remember the last time I read it, so... Damn it. We'll find out. I'll let you know in, like, a year and a half. <laughs> I think the idea I think the idea here is that the Time Matrix had to have taken, like, parts, things that were that they weren't, like, consciously thinking of, because Lauren couldn't just create the universe. Right. Right. You know, whole cloth. Otherwise, it would just be... The hell universe all over again. Yeah. So it's like, that kind of kind of makes sense. It kind of doesn't. But I'm not sure. I mean, it kind of makes sense based on what just happened. But the mm-hmm. only reason what just happened occurred was because the three of them were fighting over it. And yeah. it was the unclear direction that created this like alternate, unstable universe. Yeah. So, I don't know. Someone else made up this theory and had, did a much better job of explaining it. I believe, I'm like 90% sure this was a theory proposed by Tumblr user the Jake formerly known as Prince. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'm like 90% sure it was them. I'll blame them. Okay. I will. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. With reckless abandon. Great. Alright, are you guys ready to hit the last part of this fucking book? Uh, emotionally? Physically, emotionally, spiritually. No. Cries. But let's do it anyway. Oh, Alright, like guys. Let's come together um, now. Wait, did I have any happens. other thoughts on that? Hold on. Yeah, tell me your last thoughts. Oh! Oh, wait, we can talk about this in a bit. Okay, go on. <laughs> well, sorry guys, not to burst your bubble, but um, Catherine Applegate just replied to my fucking tweet. What did you tweet? What? She wrote that she's going to a book signing by me, and I replied, ah, I'm going to that, and she said, I look forward to seeing you there, Alex. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm fucked, guys. Oh, my God. She's gonna take me down. Oh, God. I'm sorry I checked my Twitter in the middle of a fucking podcast, but it was clearly Oh, my God. Breaking news, audience. Oh, breaking breaking news on this podcast we're not going to publish for goddamn months. Oh my god, <laughs> well, that's true. Probably never going to publish because you'll be dead. <laughs> that's true, she is going to kill me. Oh, <laughs> I'll publish it. Casey, I'll send you I'll all of these files stuff. so you can publish it in my death. Okay. My my yeah. Herrick Delest, guys. <laughs> it is my dying wish that you publish this podcast. <laughs> Are you guys ready to finish this like Catherine Applegate's about to finish me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Here's how it ends. <laughs> Whew, okay, go. Go, go, go. So, three years later, in the 1980s, Alan Fangor, as he comes to be known, 
This is elf anger, guys. <laughs> what? Elf anger. Surprise! <laughs> Holy shit. So he does a flawless maneuver after burying the time matrix and creates a human morph. He goes to college. He majors in physics. He makes friends named Bill and Steve, who he helps create <laughs> things. I can't pause. Spoiler. <laughs> I swear to God, if you say that Bill and Steve are the creators of Apple and Windows, I'm going to be so fucking mad at you. <laughs> Wait, what? What they are? It's not a spoiler. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. In a future book, there's a guy. It's like two books from now. Yeah, I know. But like, we're not there yet, right? Shut up. I'm sorry, this is my dying wish to end this. I'm really distraught that Catherine's gonna kill me. <laughs> anyway. But there's a guy who's like, yeah. you know, Bill Gates stand-in. Mm-hmm. But like, Bill Gates exists in this universe. So, who's the founder of AOL? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I'm going to Google this. Talk. I'm, okay, I will, but I'm really scared right now. Good. Are you scared of me, or are you scared because... I'm scared of Catherine. Okay, great. I'm real scared, guys. <laughs> She's coming for me. <laughs> I felt like a really aggressive tweet. I look forward to seeing you, Alex. <laughs> she named me by It's because name. she used your name. It's because she used your name. She yeah. did use my... That's why it is aggressive. Yeah. You are so yeah. fucked. I'm so I'm sorry. So fucked. It was so nice knowing you. Do you want me to come with you? I'll fight her. <laughs> I'll be your second. I will not fight her for you. Can this be how this podcast ends with Casey fighting Catherine Applegate for my life? You kill my friend. Prepare to die. My name is Enigo Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Casey... Beep! <laughs> last name me <laughs> You killed my friend. Prepare to die. What was I looking up? Oh, founder of AOL. Founder of AOL. Probably Elon Musk. Found me. Is what I play in. <laughs> it's Elon Musk for sure. <laughs> I cannot spell, despite the fact that AOL is literally the letters. <laughs> you literally spelled it just Steve now. Case. No, no, no. And Jim Kimsey. And some other guys. The other day I was trying to type RSVP into a text message and it auto-corrected. And I was like, there's no... Whatever. I get some pretty weird autocorrects now. With all my Animorphs words. You know, my my autocorrect has finally started recognizing Animorphs words. It's becoming sentient. Yeah, I think it actually autocorrected the name one time. And I was like, I am so proud of you, phone. That's terrifying. It is. But also, like, if there's one word that my phone is going to remember, it's going to be an Animorphs-related one, let's be honest. My phone remembers nothing. It is a failure as a phone. Well, it's, do you have an iPhone? No, I have um, a Google Pixel, and it's actually really great. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say, if it was an iPhone, that would make perfect sense. This podcast is sponsored by Google. <laughs> <laughs> Give us all your money, Google, please. All of it. All of, all it. of it. All right, so... He's helping his friends, Bill and Steve. He describes complex concepts in terms they can understand, like windows. <laughs> I love this so much. He God. graduates college. He gets a job. And as he says, the most important thing he did was he marries Lauren. Cute. Question. Sure. So, Lauren, mm-hmm. according to this book, 
is like comparable age to the Animorphs at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or Elfinger assumes anyway. I <coughs> sure. Assume his ability to tell ages is about as good as mine, which is terrible. <laughs> she could be like 32. <laughs> Who knows? Actually, suddenly explains in my head something that I didn't get before, which is the age gap between Elfinger and Axe. My brain just got that. Okay, anyway, moving on. Okay. <laughs> but she's got like, at best, like an eighth grade graduate, eighth grade education. Shit, man. She's like, shit. Maybe she got her like GED. Maybe he hacked the system. Yeah, but she still like only knows about as much as a 13 year old would. She's like Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I only know about as much as a 13 year old does. <laughs> I'm a fully grown adult. I mean, I'm still yeah. stunted at age 12 when I read book 54, so. Catherine's gonna kill me. This is how it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice knowing you. It was nice knowing you. I'm glad that we could reconnect after all this time to do this podcast, My Hearing to Last. <laughs> I'm gonna keep making that joke, guys. It's all I have left in the world. You can't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna have a crisis. You, dear listener, are hearing my thoughts. It's not just a Lauren who had a psychotic break, let's be honest. Yeah. Sometimes you go into a podcast <laughs> and you just don't come out. <laughs> These are the Alex Croft. After Animorphs, there was Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Everybody dies at the end because Kaplegate killed them. And in my dying breaths, I will ask, was it all worth it? And they will scream, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna finish this. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm gonna finish this right okay, now. Okay, we can do this. No, we can't. Steal yourselves. <laughs> so, oh, <okay. laughs> what Elfangor... <laughs> oh, dear God, where did I just start reading? Okay, so, um, he graduates college, he gets a job, he marries Lauren, he's created a life on Earth away from the war, and he thinks that this is the best thing to do because he's screwed up so many times, he doesn't want to fail his people again, so he runs away. Um, he does get a yellow Mustang. Very important. The most important thing in this whole ending. It's true. It yeah. is the most important. Yeah, fuck the rest. We don't care. So he's headed home one day, and he gets home- Wait, you skipped the part that was in my notes. Oh. Bring it oh, in. How dare you? Bust it out. I'm angry, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. You have to be nice to me. I'm about to die. You're right, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry I just made? I assumed that was a sob. Oh. <laughs> So Chapman, yes, is not dead. No, he's not dead. I did not even include that, even a little. It's, it's not because, even in my notes. It's because he's a giant dick. It's because he's a giant dick. He but is. his dick is probably really small. He's a large phallus. <laughs> <laughs> he has a giant dick with a little tiny, smaller dick inside of him. Like inside his like hand, a weird thumb on the end of his actual dick. <laughs> He's a dick fractal? I hate this! (laughs) I don't think that Dick Chapman from that was on the Jahar and Chapman Chapman, who we know from the series, are the same person. No? No. Because one was sterile and one had a child. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Sure. (laughs) Because, okay... I also don't think that Visitor's Wreath, who, like, just went, bye, 
So yeah, <laughs> it walked out the time vortex, and Mister Three, who is like, that guy are the same guy. That's a very fair assumption. They do not act the same at all. No, I'm like maybe their origin stories are similar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that it was no finger in both times because number one, he's like, hey, it's me, a finger. Now you're gonna die. Hey. Which is exactly what Catherine Applegate's going to say to you. I'll ask her <laughs> before she kills me. That'll be my dying wish. Anyways, but just, sorry to backtrack a little bit, but does that support that you, you, this theory is supported by the fact that Visitor 32 knew what the Yurk homeworld looked like because he was born on the Yurk homeworld and this is a different version? Oh, fuck. Tying your theories together! Oh, <laughs> shit. You got it. Let this be known, my greatest accomplishment before my death. Put this on my tombstone. I had one good point. <laughs> if you somehow survive and you die in old age or something, some not stupid possible. shit like that. Yeah, probably not. But like, let's just assume that that hap- could happen in some universe. Okay. Right. Still putting that on your gravestone. Please do. Here lies Alex. She had one good point. <laughs> yep. Died age one hundred and fifty nine. I don't have long to live, and I need to get this. Done. Oh wait, 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 wait! Oh, but the mm, the the Chapman not being the same Chapman. Yes, Chapman not being the same Chapman. It does explain a lot of discrepancies in his personality, though. He's still a dick. I mean, yeah, he is. But like, <laughs> would Chapman from Number Two sell out the entire human race? Yes, just not his daughter. Okay, would That's he true. sell? Will he sell out the entire human race for a selfish reason? As let's say he's maybe. I mean, Chapman number two would probably sell it out to save his daughter, which I think is less of an awful thing. It's still awful, but it's, like, less awful. Part of it was that his wife was already a controller, and so he joined just to protect his daughter, because otherwise she'd be taken. So it's Because the wife joined voluntarily. Right, right? the wife was a voluntary controller. But it's been a long time since I read number two. That's Fluffer McKitty's book, so... I mean... I had a real life fluff for my kitty, so, you know. It's been a really long time since we've talked about number two. <laughs> I'm scared to go back. I mean, we can assume he's grown as a person and probably changed some of his ways. Yeah. But. Also, he has no memory of selling out the human race. Right. So can we really blame him for a thing that he doesn't remember doing? No. This brings up the criminal justice system. If a murderer doesn't remember murdering, can we blame them for the murder? Same situation. Yep. Except, like, worse, because, like... It's the whole human race. Yeah. It's a lot of humans. <laughs> and he's not so cavalier about it now. I think his reasoning is more... There's more nuance to it than just, hey, these guys were kind of assholes to me, so I don't like them. Yeah. And he is, theoretically, the Elemist versions of Chapman. So he was put to play that game... So he's probably different. Also, on that note, Mister Thirty Two is probably super dead. <laughs> Hopefully, because <laughs> like, <laughs> like I mean, okay, if that was the Yurkom world, that the, like, okay, he could go drop into a pool, but he has no re- means of like restraining a host. So Elora would be like, "Fuck you, you're dead." And once they moved the time matrix off of that world. He's still stuck in that world. Unless it dissolved, and then who knows. Yeah. Like, theoretically, if Lord and Elvanger were stuck there, 
they could, like, you know, they could survive because they just like, okay, going to eat McDonald's. <laughs> going to eat whatever. Uh, this special hell, eating McDonald's for every meal for the rest right. of your fucking it's life. Like, a finger's fine because he's got grass to eat. And so there's that. He could promise to maneuver Acne Guy and Lauren's mom and they could. No, no, let's not go there. Anyway, never mind. Oh. Never mind, never mind. I'm sorry. Forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. <laughs> cut that part out. Cut that part out. Retcon, retcon. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, there's not going to be time for you to cut that down because you're going to be dead. Sorry. That's, yeah. Casey, cut this out. Edit this out. Dead. Okay. Catherine, edit this out. Yeah, okay, what if Catherine kills me? What if I fight her and then she kills me? What happens? I don't know how to edit. Avenge me. Okay, okay. I'll I'll figure it out. (laughs) Oh, fuck, if I have to avenge you, that's going to be really awkward. I'm just imagining, for some reason I'm imagining a sword fight with Catherine Applegate because that sounds awesome. I'll just, like, apologize the entire time. Like, I love your work. <laughs> I have to avenge my friend. I swore I would. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my sword. I named it Swordy. <laughs> How did you know what I would name my sword? Because we're Andalay Universe. Swordy, <laughs> uh, my sword. <laughs> oh, you can call it Swordy LaForge. <laughs> oh my god, why? I'm so sorry. Are you then? Forgive me, Applegate. <laughs> Forgive me! <laughs> I'm telling her about this podcast. I'm like, don't listen until the Analyte Chronicles. It's two parts. It's real long. You gotta <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> it's, we bring up a lot of great points. <laughs> we have a lot of questions about how sex, sex works. works. We need a sex book. We, we, need, we need to talk. Listen, we've grown up with Animorphs, and now it's time. I need you to explain how sex works to me. (laughs) I'm a fully formed adult right now. Please explain sex. I've spent the last 20 years doing nothing except reading Animorphs. I don't know how anything works. (laughs) I do not have one functioning human relationship. I'm very damaged. Please explain sex. (laughs) You guys, I gotta finish this book. Can can I go? Can I do this? Go. Okay, guys. So, what happens is Elfangor gets home. Lauren is gone. She's at the doctor. He finds a man standing in his house. This man knows his name. This man is the Elemist. The Elemist tells Elfangor many things. But what he stresses is that by distorting the timeline to live as a human, he has broken the timeline that should be. Battles that should have been won are lost. Things that should stand are broken. But Elfangor has done great good already. Elfangor disagrees with this. But what he viewed as bad decisions and failures were not. He refused to kill thousands of innocent Yerks. He hid the time matrix from falling into either side's hands. Probably the single greatest move in the entire war. But he is supposed to be an Andalite hero, not a human man. And the Elemist tells him that the Yerks are already poised to take over this planet. The first scouts are hovering over Earth now, and he has to go back to give the universe a chance to defeat the Yerks. Alfinger has questions, but the Elmist will not answer them, because he is the Elmist. All he does is offer to repair a wrong. Alfinger has no choice but to agree to save the Earth and be taken back to the Andalites. Lauren will not remember him, but he will remember her. The Elmist takes Alfinger away. Elfangor can briefly see the universe as the Elemist sees it, with timelines. He sees his brother, he sees Arbron, he realizes he has a son, and this changes everything. 
uh, Lauren was at the doctor and was about to come home and tell him that she was pregnant with his son. It's the worst. He can see into the future, and everything the Elemist is working towards is six timelines converging, five humans and one Andalite. This is the end game. Elfango realizes this is all a game for him and accuses him of playing with the universe. The Elemist does not deny it, but says there is another play in the game, and he is playing a dark game, and they had best hope he does not win. And then Elfango finds himself on an Andalite ship. You have to put him on the fighter and not, like, the dome ship. Yeah, his that, own fighter. That probably, that probably would have freaked the fuck out of everybody. Like, what the hell? Where'd you come from? And it did. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but when a flip bit more, like, like, just random guy just showing up on the bridge, like, hey. That would be pretty funny, actually. That would have been amazing. <laughs> That's how the parody version of this would have gone. We seem to have a pretty good parody version of this going. Okay, Applegate, hit us up before or after you kill Alex, one or the other. Either or. Yeah. Casey, commit every moment that happens from here on out to memory. Store it deep. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Elfangor is thrust into a hopeless battle. The Star Sword is being blown apart by the blade ship. All of the fighters have been destroyed, and they initiate a self-destruct sequence with the intent of hopefully taking out some bug fighters with them. Elfanger tells them, not yet. He announces himself as Aris Elfanger Serenial Shem Tool, and then hails the Shem-tool? blade ship. Tool? Shem? How do you pronounce it? I say Shem Tool. I always say Shem Tool. Like He's it. a bit of a tool sometimes. So that <laughs> works. Perfect. Um... He then hails a blade ship, demanding to speak to Visor 3. Visor 32 has been promoted. A lot. The Horkmajor laughs at him until he announces that he is Visor 3's old friend, Elfangor. He tells him he has ten seconds before Elfangor punches it to, punches the ship to maximum burn and crashes into the blade ship. He has been transferred to Visor 3 at this point. As soon as he <laughs> says he's Elfangor, he gets transferred. So, Visor 3 doesn't believe him and tries to call him on his bluff. And so Elfanger fucking punches his ship right into the blade ship and breaks that motherfucker in half. Basically in the coolest Star Wars move of all time. I mean, this happened before Star Wars, but that visual blew my fucking mind, and this was all I could think of when that happened. Yeah. In episode eight? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. All I could think of was this scene with Elfangor. Like, I think I used, like, that's happened in Animorphs, like, in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a child. Yes. Yes. As we've discussed, stunted at age, whatever. Yeah, so, um, Alfangor punches it into the blade ship, breaks it in half, and this is enough for the blade ship. Um, another dome ship appears, and they basically just strap the floating pieces to them and blast off into Z-space because they're not gonna fuck with the Andalites anymore. Bye! Alfangor should have died, but he did not. He wakes up on the dome ship, and he decides to tell the captain everything except the location of the time matrix. The captain tells him that this story will not be made public, but he will be a hero to his people. Elfanger protests, saying that he betrayed Lauren and he fucked up basically everything. Uh, and he, the captain says, I know what Lauren did on the homeworld, on the Hork-Bajur homeworld. And he tells him all Elfanger did was uphold the beliefs that Lauren himself used to have before he was torn apart by the war. Yeah. And he told him that... The Andalite people need heroes like Elfangor, even if Elfangor does not feel like a hero. And then we cut to many years later. Elfangor has fought many battles, and he has stayed away from Earth for a long time. 
but he finds himself back on Earth. The Yurks, of course, have targeted Earth and are taking over. He chased them there in the dome ship, and Aximili is with him, as we know. This is a story we have heard many, many times. <laughs> so many times. So many times. The dome ship is taken down. He's in his bug fighter. He lands with a light time. fighter and has bug his... fighter. Sorry, and a light fighter. I've said bug fighter 14 times, so it's Probably, all I can yeah. think of. He lands to recover the time matrix, but is too weak to do anything. Five human also, it's under it concrete now. <laughs> yeah, and he can't burrow through. He is a simple andalite man. Yeah, it would take a long time to just, like... All they have is moles. <laughs> uh, so, five human youths approach him. The same age Lauren was when they first met. One of them is drawn to him specifically, and he knows why. This is his son, Tobias. He asks how his family life is, and Tobias tells him, basically really fucking bad. Daddy, do you like baseball? His mother left him, and he his father's, I don't know, dead or some shit. <laughs> and, uh... Poor random guy. Yeah. Guy, he tried so hard. And now Fangor, in possibly not the best move of all time, says, well, your friends are your family now. And then gave them all the power to morph. And, uh, he says... They are filled with a power that will make Visor 3 tremble. And then he closes his Heric de Lest with his last legacy to his people. It is one word. Hope. We did it, guys. You know what's oh, fucked up? This entire book. Axe is Tobias's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> that's the part that's the worst. I feel like there had to have been, in like 1997, like, Axe Tobias shippers who just went, what the fuck? Oh, God. Sending you guys a video. Well, that was a strange interlude. Okay, let's see this video. Oh, God damn it! I'm getting more notifications that Applegate tweeted me. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm so scared. You are, you are so fucked. I am so sorry. I think this would make a good first movie. This would make an excellent adaptation. This conversation or the book? Yeah. The, the book, I hope. <laughs> good news. I fucked up, and my recording stopped, but it was only just that last part. So you mean the brilliant part? The part where I said that great, really insightful thing? Yeah. That no one's ever had any- Oh, man. That's the part. The oh. one part. Take it again! I completely forgot what it was, so shit. Oh, I only missed like 20 seconds of it. It's cool. It's all good. Alright. I, I hope it's a dramatic pause. Dramatic? Pause. <laughs> Thank you for staying silent through that. I was sorry. <laughs> I was too scared to say anything. <laughs> I mean, we could have edited in a silence, but like, you know. no, this is this is real. <laughs> this is genuine silence. Oh no! All right. Well, what more is there to say? Um, I'm very sad. And I'm looking forward to reading Tobias's next book. Yeah, we get yep. to finally visit him. We haven't seen him since number three. Am I gonna die again yeah. emotionally? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Hundred percent. God damn it. Yeah, that's that's just gonna be a thing this entire series. Not even a question. Yeah. I, I don't know why you thought anything different. You know the uh, it gets better movement. Yeah. It's nothing like this. <laughs> Does not apply. <laughs> <laughs> it really sucks because I'm watching My Hero Academia right now, which is also about like kids with like superpowers, and they're all getting like beat up by villains. And so I have two separate fandoms where I'm just like, leave the babies alone. 
We yes. don't leave babies alone. No. Leave my babies alone. No. And animals, just because you deserve better doesn't mean you get better. Oh. I want to protect them. Yep. This is why I'd let my children play in the streets. <laughs> oh, no. No one can protect you. Be free! <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got. Animorphs and Animorphs fanfic and fanfiction that I've written are reasons I will not be having children. Because yet, it is for children. I mean, not the gay sex ones. <laughs> Listen, I need, if I happen to have a gay child, I need them to know that it's okay. Well, okay, yeah, to backtrack. Also, not the straight sex ones. Not the sex ones in general. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's. I wasn't. It's nothing yeah, no is sex. gay sex. That is totally fine <laughs> as long as you're consenting. It's just not the sex for children. This has been one long advertisement for. I don't know how to say their username. That user who wrote lies agreed upon on the. And, uh, and you know if, if you can't say it, then we don't have a standard and we can't say it. Listen, I don't have them. Telling me this is exactly how I say my username. Thank you. Well, I don't think they listen to this podcast, so you could just take a stab at it. You don't know that. <laughs> oh my god, if you listen to this podcast, tell us how to say your name. Please. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody listening to this knows them, could you please get in contact with them? <laughs> what if I told you after we just did six hours of recording that absolutely no one listens to this podcast? <laughs> I mean, somebody's posting on the, the Facebook page, so I don't know. That is me. That's us. It's true. And actually, um, I believe we probably just hit a thousand downloads either yesterday or today. Woo! So that's definitely somebody, Woo-hoo! not just spot. It's at least one person. A thousand different times. They are really dedicated. <laughs> They're super we have one <laughs> super fan. <laughs> so hey, one guy. Or girl, or not by new person. If it's Applegate downloading this to get more material as to why she wants to kill me. Hey, Applegate, if you're listening to this, after you kill Alex, could you get in contact with that one fan? Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, that's yep. that's our podcast. It's terrible. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, di- I didn't really mean that. I'm only crying inside in my Andalite hearts as Andalites cry. Yeah. That's a question. Outside. Where are like the Andalites' two hearts? Well, you have to imagine what one's is... in the human body and oh, one's no. in the horse body. So it's in the body. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I love that Casey's contribution to this is, oh no! <laughs> oh no! So, a couple weeks ago, um, back in my old job, we were having a conversation about how centaurs work. And if the organs would be in the horse part or the human part, or if there's like two sets, or if they have two spinal cords, or two spines, and it, it was out of control. I mean, wouldn't the, the, wouldn't the spine just be, like, an This extension? is a rabbit hole. Yeah, it would be yeah. a super long spine. Right. That makes perfect sense. It makes yeah. sense to me. But the rest but of the one organs... one rib cage or two rib cages? Two. Okay. One snake rib cage. So it's not like a taxon. It's not like two. Mm. But taxons have an exoskeleton. Bag of guts. <laughs> they are a bag of guts. Anyway, that's what I have. Shit. Stephanie, Stephanie, tell us about your fanfiction so we know where to find it. Since we're fanfiction heavy. (laughs) Uh, My fanfiction's on uh, Archive of Our Own. My username is Stephquiam. It's S-T-H 
S T E P H Q U I E M. I just started one that I'm embarrassed by and I will not describe. But well, we're there. gonna read it now, That's page like, by page, out loud. Is that gonna be your next podcast? Yes. <laughs> reading yes. Steph, reading Steph's fanfiction. Stephanie Cast. Oh, I'll come up with a better name. It'll be super catchy. Oh, Hashtag man. will be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one will what, listen to it except for that one super fan who will download it yeah. a thousand times. Catherine Applegate before she kills us. Yeah. yeah. She'll be my biggest fan. Be like, shit, I should have written the series just like this. Oh. Can I do character voices? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm extra embarrassed now just because like, oh shit, people I know in real life are going to read this. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, they just listen to you talk about alien sex <laughs> for God knows how long. <laughs> That's true. Let me put it to you this way. Yes. You're on this podcast, and I'm on this podcast, and I'm clearly more embarrassing as a person than you are. You're right. <laughs> so, go read her fan fictions, please, for the love of God. <laughs> I-, I swear there's not actually that much in alien sex in it. Like, how much alien sex, would you say? I have written very little so far, so not that much. Like, a percentage point. I think technically none, but there's a, there's an awful lot of punishments work. <laughs> an awful lot of, of interspecies shit. Spice is not fucking a eagle in this, I swear. I mean, even if did. Bird sex is very fast and not at all sexy. I mean, I don't know anything about that. That has, and knowing things does not, you know, is not necessary for writing. Do you want me to give you a quick rundown about? No, works? please don't. <laughs> no, do you think I want to know? Yeah, okay, I guess you would think that I would want to know, but I no, would. I don't. I would think you would want to know. Yeah. I think we'd all want to know. Yeah, okay, <laughs> tell me, tell me. So, it's very quick. Birds have a cloaca, which is where they pee and poop from the same like same place, same time. They also lay eggs from the same place. So basically, the male creates a sperm sac, and what happens is the female lifts her tail up, the male kind of puts his tail down, and they have a cloacal kiss, where they just very quickly touch, and it transfers a sperm packet. Um, some species of birds can actually choose to reject it, and so females will mate with multiple males, reject the sperm packet from the losers, and keep it from the stronger genetic species, but then all the males will feed their babies, thinking it's theirs. Um, but a lot of birds just accept the sperm packet, that travels up the oviduct, that goes to where the egg starts to be made, that's where the yolk attaches, the mucus of the egg membrane comes around there, and as it comes down the cloacal tube kind of thing, it spins, and that's where the calcium deposits happen on the outside of the egg, and then that's also where at the very end the pigmentation can come in if they have that adaptation. And then they lay the egg. And the sperm is neatly in the packet where it has fertilized the egg and come out the oviduct. And that's where babies come from. <laughs> I let you go through that whole thing and my only thought of that whole thing was, so all bird sex is technically anal sex? Yes. Great. I took one thing away from that and that's all I need to know. That is fair. I mean, there are exceptions to the rules. Like, some ducks have, like, a 17-inch long corkscrew penis that they wrestle the females down with. So, but yeah, but for the most part, Coleco kiss. That's where baby birds come from. That's where baby birds come from. No wonder they're so weird looking. How cool is it, though, that there's an actual, like, pigmentation station within the oviduct? Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Birds are cool. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Someone leave shit on my car. That's still pretty cool. Birds, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> leave there my car alone. One fan is a bird. <laughs> they download it repeatedly. <laughs> is there any bird species that has an exceptionally short attention span? Like many. Yeah. Okay, it's one of those. Okay. It's definitely not a crow. No, crows. I mean, they can still have short attention spans. Baby crow. Uh, take some Adderall. Oh no. <laughs> They're not gonna team up with Catherine to murder me, are they? Oh fuck. It's, you're fucked. It's my crow joke. <laughs> <laughs> Should we bring this to a close? Yeah. Okay. Where the fuck can people find us? That's <laughs> <laughs> so aggressive. You can't. That's the point. That is the point. But oh. if you did want to send out a communication, we have anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. We have a website, which is anamorphsanonymous.com, Facebook page, anamorphsanonymous, it's on Facebook. We have a group, which is uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anamorphsanonymous, or just search Andalite Bandalites. Our group's awesome. Yes. Um, we have an Instagram at anamorphsanonymous, a Twitter at anamorphsanon, and I think that's everything. Is that right? Yes. And you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Stitcher, and more. Just Google and us. Whatever it is that you're listening to this right now. Yes. Well, if they're listening to it right now, it <laughs> is, like, through bugging us. <laughs> In which case, hi. In which case, we probably sent them packing a while ago. <laughs> the first hour, they were like, fuck. It's like, I'd like to shout out, do a shout out to the FBI agent who's watching us through the webcam right now. Hi. Well, I covered mine up. I did with a post-it note, and then fucking Wilcox took it off. God damn it. He's not concerned. Get a sticker. Get a sticker. <laughs> I'm like, number 26, there was a sticker, I think. I think it was number 26. About, like, the Animorphs TV show or something. And I ha- kept that sticker for, like, 15 years. It was just, like, stuck somewhere in my room. And, like, 15 years is about... At which point I moved out. My parents got rid of my old furniture. So what happened to the sticker? <laughs> Next time on Animorphs Anonymous, what <laughs> happened to the sticker? <laughs> so many podcasts. Yeah, we now it's the mystery cast. Steph's fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, we have a list. All right, let's leave. Let's okay. bounce. Let me go. Let me go to face my death honorably. <laughs> We'll let you enjoy the la- your last few days of life. Thank you, Catherine. I'm so sorry. <laughs> if you listen to this, my Herrick DeLast, I want you to know that I love everything you did. You're flawless as a human, and I understand why you had to kill me. And on this... Terrible, terrible disappointment. I leave you for what may be the last time. I loved you all. Thank you for listening. You're wonderful. I miss you. Goodbye. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I love you. Good night, everybody. Good night!